Slayers and Slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is Buffy podcast stats today. So we are done with recapping every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. So now we're going to just talk about, um, we're going to talk about some stats in Buffy for sure. Um, let's light a candle first. Because we're magical over here. And maybe some incense. What do you say? What do you say? I mean, we have to do vampire blood because this is a vampire related podcast still, at least for this episode. <laughs> Well, and for season five of Angel, because we will get to it. Okay, I'm having a hard time with coordination right now. Hold, please. Yes, I'm making you listen to this. Whatever. Okay. Why did I just light a lighter when I have a candle lit? <laughs> Could have used the candle to light the incense. Whatever. We're pretty ratchet over here on, uh, what's this, what's this bitch talking about? We haven't, uh, even though we've been a podcast for like eight years now, we, even though I've had a podcast for eight years now, I still don't really, uh, it's still just as lo-fi as ever. <laughs> Although I am sort of learning, I have learned some editing techniques over the years. I mean, we have a theme song now. Which, by the way, even though it's a very Buffy-related theme song, I doubt I'm going to change it because I love it. So, whatever. Um, I need to pull up. I forgot I had... I have some notes uh, in front of me in physical format, but I forgot that I also have notes on my computer. So, hold on. Okay. Which means I might have to change... Some things hold on okay I hope this sounds okay because I just shifted some things around here so that I can look at my computer right now okay so I went through I have four composition notebooks and one sort of like Brad folder yeah three prong Brad folder you know what I'm talking about or sorry not three prong three ring Brad folder Remember when those were on your school supply list? <laughs> um, I was at first keeping all of my Buffy notes in like a three ring binder, but that doesn't work very well for me because I'm left-handed and three ring binders have never worked well for me because I'm left fucking handed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you're not? Your hand running into those big metal rings all the time. Never liked binders. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, those were the things that I had that I was taking notes with for the last seven years of this project. I went through, back through all of them to look for, specifically I was just looking for the ratings. That's all I was looking for. And I am disappointed in myself. There was a, I mean, just regularly, I would just fucking forget to write down my ratings, which means I didn't have them for every single episode. Which also means 
um, I don't have really solid stats to give you right now, but I'm just going to work with what I've got. But first, I want to talk about the Buffy comics. So I have a little interlude that I will put in here that is talking about the... I, I recorded this, I did one day when I was at work, wasn't doing a whole lot of work, but I was alone at the front desk all day, so I couldn't leave. So I was just like Googling a lot of Buffy comic stats because there were, um, you know what? I say most of this in the, I like recorded this on a break at work. So forgive the sound quality because this was on my phone outside next to a busy road. It's not terrible. Like, I think it's fine. I'm going to use it. Um, so let's rewind about eight or nine days <laughs> and go to the clip. Hello. Okay. So this is, um, I'm sure I've already introduced this segment, but I'm going to give you some facts about the Buffy comics series. And I am sitting outside next to a busy street while I'm on a work break. <laughs> so we'll see if I have to re-record this, if it sounds terrible. Um, but okay. I want to give you some information because I don't think that I want to review the Buffy comics in more depth than this. Okay, so there were, there was a season eight that went from March 2007 to January 2011. So it took four years to get through season eight. Season nine was two years long, September 2011 to September 2013. Season 10 went from March 2014 to August 2016. So like two and a half years for season 10. Season 11 was less than a year, November 2016 to October 2018. Season 12 went only from June through September of 2018. So essentially we have what is taking place as five years in Buffy's life, I believe. I believe each season was supposed to be a year in Buffy's life. Don't quote me on that. Um, but five years of Buffy's life took us, you know, 11 years to get through in comic book form. So I went through like the Buffy wiki, both Wikipedia and the fandom wiki. And I also tried to cobble together information from a couple other sources because people just really didn't, by the time we got to season 11, people didn't care to create thorough synopsis, synopses of Buffy the comics anymore. So I'm going to just throw some random facts at you that happened season by season. It's a fucking train wreck, you guys. It's really bad. I don't think I want to review it in any kind of detail other than this, um, which I'm sure I already explained before I started this. So here's just random facts. Are you ready? I'm going to make sure I don't take up my entire break doing this. Okay. Random facts. Season eight. So right after all the Slayers were created, um, there's about 1800 Slayers worldwide, um, and they're separated into, not all of them are working for Buffy, but they're separated into 10 separate squads and they are led by some of the Slayers that we knew as potentials. Um, I think Rona has a squad in Chicago. There's another squad in New York that's 
head by Kennedy, I think. Anyway, don't quote me on any of that, but there's 10 squads. They're trying to organize all these slayers. There's 1,800 of them worldwide. So a pretty small part of the population, right? I mean, it's better than a chosen one, obviously, but it's not a huge part of the population of women in general. And it's still only women. Um, the big bad of season eight is something called Twilight, which is a very weird concept. It's like, it turns out it's Angel. He's trying to destroy all Slayers and end magic forever. Um, at the end of the season, magic has been destroyed. Um, and it has something to do with like, it is Angel, but it's not Angel. It's like Angel and Buffy. It's some kind of prophecy, like the two of them together. I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, Buffy decides that she is in love with Xander in season eight. I forgot that, but he decides he's in love with Dawn. So they start dating. Giles and Buffy aren't really speaking for most of season eight. At the end of season eight, Angel as this Twilight character. So he was like possessed or something. So it wasn't really his fault or whatever, but he kills Giles. Angel kills Giles in season eight. Um, and then the whole Twilight is Buffy and Angel thing. Like the season ends with Buffy and Angel having like super powered airborne sex that break through the walls of reality. And they end up in this other Twilight universe. I don't know if this is like a reference to fucking like Twilight series of vampires. I don't know. It's fucking crazy ass shit. But that season ends with Angel has killed Giles um, Dawn and Xander are together and they've destroyed all of magic to save the world somehow for some reason so season 9 um, there's these creatures called zompires like all new vampires that are created because magic doesn't exist in this reality the demon can't fully inhabit the body of a human so vampires all new vampires that are made are now zompires they're just thoughtless vampires i guess um dawn is dying because she was created from magic and magic doesn't exist anymore anyway the whole season is just magic doesn't exist anymore what do we do that's season nine season 10 they at the end of season nine they have restored magic and season 10 they discover that this that the vampire book that has all the rules of magic in it, you know, the vampire book from the very beginning of the series, um, is blank, which means they have to, now that they've created magic again, they have to rewrite the rules of magic. So they create like a council so they can be ethical about like creating the rules of magic. It's kind of interesting. Um, there's also a new breed of vampires, um, that like they can walk in sun, and they can shapeshift. So like superpowered vampires are happening in this season. Um, Giles gets reborn as a child. So we have to deal with him throughout the rest of the series. He's a child growing up through adolescence. It's very fucking weird. Um, Andrew finally comes out as gay. Season 10, again, if I didn't say that. This is when Buffy and Spike go back to being a couple. Um, and Dawn, like Buffy had to save Dawn's life at the end of the last season. 
and because she had faded from reality because she was created from magic so she faded out of a reality that didn't have magic anymore but Buffy saved her through her blood or some shit and um but when she comes back in season 10 she has the memories of Dawn from like season five so she's really creeped out by being in a relationship with Xander as she should be (laughs) and um it's interesting I guess but it's very weird that she's even in a relationship with Xander anyway like all that fucking shit is just stupid um so that's the highlights of season 10 Giles comes back to life in the body of a child self Andrew finally fucking comes out and admits that he's gay Buffy and Spike recouple um and they have to rewrite the rules of magic then season 11 Buffy tells Spike she loves him finally in the season finale of season 11 which reminder season 11 ended in October 2017 so Buffy doesn't tell Spike she loves him for real when she really means it until October 2017 that was only six years ago guys only six years ago there's also like this whole storyline in season 11 where like there's some sort of like anyone that's supernatural has been confined to like some kind of like prison camp where they're being like starved and so spike is stuck in there but since spike and buffy are in a relationship she gets herself put in there like slayers are exempt for some reason but vampires are not um so it's like this terrible prison camp and so she goes in there to be with spike and he's like starving because the blood rations aren't enough at this prison and so she like becomes a guard so that she can and she also starts feeding him with her blood it's a whole thing and it was weird that was a weird fucking storyline but anyway that's season 11 season 12 i haven't been able to find any information on and i don't fucking remember it i just remember that it was a train wreck because joss whedon came back into the picture after not really doing much for the comic series in general but he came back in because he wanted to like write the last few episodes or some shit and he totally fucked it all up that's all i remember is that he like made it even more i mean it was a train wreck like the whole time like the comics are not good necessarily in my opinion but joss made them worse because it's like he just came in there and didn't know what was going on and just wrote whatever the fuck he wanted trying to tie up all the loose ends and make like a happy ending or whatever. But I just remember it being terrible and I couldn't find information about that season online. So I don't fucking know what happened, but um, whatever. So that's my quick and dirty synopsis of Buffy the comic series. I think I'm going to go through and like read them again just because I have them all in my possession just to see if I even want to keep them at this point because I'm thinking no I'm thinking I don't want to keep them so maybe I'll just like sell them all on eBay or something I don't know anyway um that's the quick and dirty Buffy comic synopsis thanks for listening okay I'm back I have a little bit more information about season 12 of Buffy now than I did then because I couldn't find it at first So um, here's the deal with season 12, the final season in comic book form of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So like the end of this universe, well, not this universe, because I don't know if like the Angel comics went on from here or what. I don't, I don't have the information on that. 
But um, as far as the Buffy-specific storyline, it... I mean, it's been revamped a couple of different times. Like, there are still Buffy comics coming out, but it's not this canonical universe, this particular storyline. You know what I mean? So the Buffy storyline that started with season one of the TV show ended season 12, which was, what, 2017? Is that right? Let me go back and find where I wrote that down. Hold, please. Season 12, 2018. Ended in September 2018, so it was only five years ago. Okay, so season 12 was only four issues long. So it was very short, very short season. Um, and it was what happens in the season. I wrote down Buffy and Spike break up with a question mark because it might have happened at the end of season 11. I don't know for sure. Um, but essentially what happens in season 12 is Buffy and Spike break up. Dawn and Xander have a fucking baby together. And they name it Joyce. Buffy is 30 at this point. So I was incorrect at first when I was saying that I thought that it was kind of going in real time. Or maybe it, each season was a year. So at this point, like, when the TV series ended, Buffy would have been 23. And at the end of the seasons, quote unquote, in comic book land, if we're going by years, well, she's 30. She's supposed to be 30, which means that the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, the five years or the five seasons took up about seven years? Question mark? I don't know. The math doesn't make sense to me. I don't think... But we're just supposed to know that Buffy is 30 during season 12, which was 15 years after the show ended. 15 years after the show ended was season 12 of the comics. Anyway, whatever. This is not making any sense the way that I'm explaining it because I'm explaining it horribly. But in any case, she's having an existential crisis because she's 30. And um, there you go. <laughs> That's all I wrote down. Buffy and Spike break up. Dawn and Xander have a baby together named Joyce. And Buffy is 30. That's it. <laughs> so essentially she was telling Spike that she loves him for the first time for real. Right before they broke up. So my summation of the comics is they're not... I even I looked them up on eBay and they're not really worth anything. <laughs> so, I mean, it doesn't even necessarily make sense for me to sell them. I'm thinking about going through and just reading them again and seeing are there any issues that I actually like. I'm just not a comic book person in general. So I don't know what I'm going to do with the Buffy comics, but I did want to have a little interlude since I spent a whole day at work researching this crap. And plus I read them as they were coming out, but I don't remember shit about them. I think I said some of this stuff already. So forgive me. That was like over a week ago. So let's get into the stats of this podcast. So in every episode, when I talked about Buffy, it was a little touchy at first. Like I didn't really know how I was going to rate things or what things I was going to rate, but it settled on 
every episode I had an object of desire, so something in the props or some article of clothing or some accessory that someone was wearing, something that I would pluck straight out of the episode to have for myself. <laughs> um, every episode I had an object. Every episode I had a featured outfit, if applicable. Every episode I had a featured quote. And every episode I had an MVP of the ep. And every episode I had a score. At first I was doing this complicated math where it was like there was one score and then another score that I multiplied together to get the final score, but I abandoned that after like the first year or two. And I just started doing, you know, just basically five was a, the max and it was just a rating out of five. So I went back through and I recalculated all of those weird scores at the beginning so that they made sense in the overall score out of five. Anyway, again, this is not very thorough because I didn't even keep... It was, I noticed that it was pretty much as soon as the pandemic started, it was like, which coincided with season five and six of Buffy, I think there were just like a huge chunk of episodes that I didn't even rate. I don't know what the fuck I was doing. And it's possible that like, it's just hidden in my notes because most of the time I would put the ratings in like one little box by itself. So it was easy to see. And then the rest of my notes were just a fucking hot mess. Cause that's just what my notes look like. But it was bad guys. It was bad. So whatever, this is a lo-fi podcast. You're used to just me babbling about like, whatever I'm not organized. So y'all weren't expecting me to be right now, were you? Probably not. So let's just go with what I got. I did spend a few hours gathering together all of this information. So it's not like I haven't done any research. I've done lots of research on Buffy in the last week. In fact, I normally post like two or three YouTube videos per week and I didn't post I posted one last night, but it was actually an old one that I recorded a couple of weeks ago that I just edited last night and threw up there. So I actually didn't record any YouTube videos this week. I've been concentrating on this podcast. So I just want you to know that a lot of work went into how unorganized this sounds. <laughs> okay. Disclaimers over. Um, summer reading program starts at the library tomorrow. So I wanted to get this podcast out there for you guys before that happens because that's one of the reasons why I love this project because I get to take summers off um and yeah so I'm probably gonna be MIA until Angel starts in like September or whatever okay we'll talk more about that at the end of the episode I was gonna look up and see like when's the next time I'm gonna be back but um I'm gonna worry about that later okay so let's start with the objects. I made a list of all of the objects from Buffy that was the featured object of the episode that I actually ended up possessing because there were nine, nine different things. You ready? So it, this was in like the first five episodes or something of Buffy was when she was wearing that cheetah coat. It had a hood and ears 
and she was like drinking out of a big gulp or something and she just looked so cute in this like fuzzy cheetah coat. I ended up getting one. It wasn't cheetah, it was leopard, but I have one. It's fuzzy, it has ears, <laughs> and it is in like a very like mid to late 90s style, which this would have been 97 when this episode aired. So um, really happy about that one. Still have it, still wear it. Um, got it years ago. Um, next object of the episode, Buffy had this like slightly lavender tinted taupe nail polish that she was wearing in like the first season pretty often and I was obsessed with it and my mom found it for me actually. Most of the objects that I got my mom found for me and this was the first I think she found me this nail polish that was I think it's OPI I'm pretty sure that's the brand and the name of the nail polish. They still sell it as far as I know. I've been able to rebuy it a few times because I use it a lot actually. It's called, the color is called Topless Beach. <laughs> and it's just sort of a lavender tinted taupe color. Um, obsessed. Love it. I have like a bunch of different shades of taupe now because of this. This one started it. <laughs> Next in the objects that I got was Buffy's crochet pillowcases. Another find for my mom. She found like two of them at an antique store <laughs> and they look exactly like Buffy's crochet pillowcases. They're white. It's the exact same thing. I have had them, I mean at this point I've probably had them about six years, five or six years now. So they're kind of like falling apart because I do use them. <laughs> They're on my bed. One of them is on my bed right now. <laughs> my mom repaired one of them for me already. Um, yeah, it's it's good. I probably should have hand washed them. I probably should have never thrown them in the washer. I don't dry them. I'm not a complete idiot. <laughs> but anyway, one of them is still in pretty good condition. So I should probably just like start like hand washing it from now on or something. The next object, this one is one that I didn't actually have to acquire because I already had it. Do you remember uh, in the first three seasons, Angel's like house slash apartment, like he had this, it's possible he even has this object still when he moves to his own show. I don't quote me on that because I'm not sure, but it's a Quan Yin statue. And it looks exactly like one that I've had in my possession since like high school. My, again, my family found it for me at an antique store and they thought I would like it. And I do. It's beautiful. It's, it definitely got damaged in the tornado, but it's, and she's missing like some fingers and like she's covered in tornado and like all that stuff. But, um, she's still, she's on my mantle right now and it looks exactly like angels. Yen statue. Number fifth on the object list is the Orb of Thessala. This was the like crystal ball that Jenny had that contained Angel's soul. She was using it as to restore his in the soul restoration spell she was going to try to do for him before he killed her. Um, this specifically looked to me like a smoky quartz. 
Um, it was just sort of like a yellowish gray, especially because it would glow when his soul was in it, which made it look kind of like a citrine or like an untreated citrine. Um, so I did end up getting a couple. Like my mom actually gave me a crystal ball, but the one that I call which I keep in a decorative space in my house. But the one that I call my Orba Thessala is one that I bought for myself, which actually was a bit expensive, but I love it. It's a smoky quartz. It has a bunch of inclusions in it. It's, I look at it, I gaze lovingly at it every single day and I call it my Orba Thessala. It can contain someone's soul, not just angels, but anyone's. And then I have my Giles mug collection, his minty mug, which I would love to tell you how many times this mug shows up in Buffy, but I wasn't that organized. Hold please though, because I bet you anything, the better Buffy podcast out there, I bet they kept track of this information. So I'm going to pause and see if I can find it. Okay. Nope. <laughs> couldn't find it, but I would guess that it's probably around 10 times, 10 or 15 times. It did show up all the way through season five, I believe. I don't think we, once, um, once Giles became like Anthony Stewart head, wasn't like in the credits, which was season six and season seven, I believe, um, we don't see the minty mug. Once he leaves town, he took it with him in season six, I guess. I don't, I don't think we see it in season six. Um, but we do see it probably the first time we saw it was in season two, I think. And then we do see it every once in a while, all the way through season five. But I did end up again, my mom, I think it was my aunt this time found it for me, um, at an antique store. <laughs> Again, like most of these things I did not have to search out myself. And then Giles's Kiss the Librarian mug. You know the one. Yellow novelty mug says Kiss the Librarian that, um, Spike is drinking blood from when he's like tied up in Giles's bathroom in season four <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Um, another one my mom got for me. I suspect she probably found it on Amazon or Etsy or something like that. It's just, they do, it, it's specifically supposed to be like a rep prop replica of, and I still use it all the time. Both the minty mug and the kiss the librarian mug. Those are my two Giles mugs. Use them all the time. Next object that I ended up getting, um, feather necklace. There was a feather necklace season seven of Buffy it was a silver pendant that was a feather that Angie Hart was wearing in the bronze while she was singing the song that she wrote for the episode called Blue. It was in Conversations with Dead People is the name of the episode. My mom found a silver feather pendant and she made it into like a little choker for me. It actually kind of is a similar vibe to the Janet Jackson choker from the if video in 1994 or was it three or two? I don't know. Somewhere in that range of time. I think it was 94. Anyway, Janet era, you know, if you're me, <laughs> if you're my age, 
it was a very important necklace and my mom sort of inadvertently made something that kind of looked like it with a feather pendant so it's amazing very magical and then the ninth and final object featured object of the episode that i got for myself <laughs> this one's kind of a cheat but the vampire book you know the vampire book spelled v-a-m-p-y-r that giles like slaps 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 down on the counter of the library in the first episode of buffy um that was in the credits like throughout the entire series i think um i got it was it's like this little miniature version of that cover that vampire book and when you open it it I forgot what it does it, it says something it's like Buffy quotes or something I, I hate that shit so I just taped it off so that it wouldn't make no noise when I opened it and I have it displayed on a shelf next to my two Buffy pop figures I have both Buffy and Faith holding crossbows Buffy in her prophecy girl outfit and Faith in I don't know something more generic looking but anyway I have them standing next to the vampire book because the vampire book is very tiny just like they are <laughs> so those are the nine objects featured objects of the episode that I did get for myself I have a list I'm not gonna bore you with the list but I have a list of the featured objects of the episode that are things that I would still like to have a bunch of them I like added to my Amazon wish list and they're just there's things I'm gonna be keeping an eye out for you know <laughs> um, but I'm not gonna bore you with that list um, what else outfits so I ended up only writing down two two outfits that are just iconic outfits in Buffy that live in my brain forever <laughs> I mean there's more than that I mean there's Vamp Willow's outfit of course you probably got an image in your head as soon as I said that um there's also Kendra's outfit there's uh Faith's outfit the day that you meet her she has that like little boob window with like a beaded curtain hanging down <laughs> on like a black sleeveless shirt and she's wearing like red vinyl pants or something like that um anyway there's lots of iconic outfits in Buffy but the two that I wrote down as the top two outfits in all of Buffy history are you ready should come as no surprise because I've talked about it many times the prophecy girl outfit so this is the last episode of season one of Buffy Buffy is wearing this dress that she was supposed to wear to prom but she didn't get to go to prom or whatever or maybe it wasn't prom but just a dance I don't know and it's just this beautiful white interesting looking dress it's like a high low it's like cut is it or does it just sort of have a slit in it it's sort of like a slip dress white and she's wearing her iconic cross necklace that she should have been wearing more often throughout the show and she's wearing uh angel's leather jacket <laughs> So it's like the beautiful white dress with the leather jacket over it. And she's also throughout that episode holding a crossbow. It's, it's a look. <laughs> and then the other most iconic outfit in Buffy history, 
in my opinion, is Drusilla's red lace outfit. So this is when, so when we're first introduced to Drusilla in season two, she's kind of weak. She had been almost killed in Prague, I believe. And like Spike is her caretaker because she's very weak. But um, they do some sort of ceremony where they take a bunch of angels' blood because they need her sire's blood, which is like probably the entire reason why they ended up in Sunnydale. I can't remember, but I think that might be the reason that they ended up in Sunnydale. And um, so after they got her strength back, like the first outfit she was wearing when she got her strength back was this gorgeous, and I think this was the same outfit that she's wearing in that episode when, or I don't know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's Drusilla's red lace dress. Drusilla had a lot of great outfits. Like she definitely wins for best outfits, period. Drusilla wins. She had the best consistently. They were always just like these gorgeous gothic dresses. They were very much in a 90s style, but they were evocative of like Victorian dresses and she she just always looked the best. Um, also Glory. Glory should be an honorable mention here because she had a very specific style. I would bet you she's a fucking Taurus. <laughs> she had a very specific style. She only wore red, gold, and black. And she just always looked amazing. Tara too. Tara had a very distinctive style as well. Like it was slightly gothic, but also witchy, sort of flowy, like good shit, good shit. So, you know, if we're going by like people that had the best outfits consistently, well, that's how I should have fucking did my stats, but I didn't. I should have gone through and like wrote down the character that had the best outfit and then done a final ranking of that. But I mean, Buffy had some great outfits in the beginning, but then, but they never really knew how to style her properly. It was always just like whatever's in style right now, I guess. Like she didn't have a very distinctive style, but they did a great job with other side characters and them having a super iconic style. Like almost all the characters had a pretty iconic style. Um, although Xander's got so much more boring, like he got outfitted the episode a lot in the beginning because he was, I mean, this is probably just my own nostalgia because, you know, guys at the time that I was coming of age were wearing the things that Xander wears in the first three seasons of the series, like a lot of plaid pat pants, button up polyester shirts with weird psychedelic patterns on them. And like, it was... I'm here for that corduroy pants. I'm here for all of Xander's style from the first couple seasons. I'm here for almost everyone's style in the first couple seasons. God, guys, I'm so excited about just like talking about Buffy again. <laughs> um, not talking about Buffy again, watching Buffy again and not having to talk about it. Okay, sorry for the sound change. I had to open the window because Smoke is getting in my eyes and it's getting a little hot in here. So hopefully that'll help. Um, so yeah, outfits, there were lots of good ones, but I didn't, you know, 
I don't know how to talk about those stats, but yet I'm here anyway. Quotes. I did not write down a lot of quotes beyond like the first couple of seasons. The first, cu first couple of seasons, there were a lot of bangers in the quote category. But after that, it's, you know, there are funny little moments here and there, but yeah. Some of like, let's see, some of the quotes that I wrote down that are particularly memorable from Prophecy Girl, Buffy says after she was resurrected by Xander, after she drowned, I may be dead, but I'm still pretty. That's a good one. <laughs> and then, you know what? I'm going to save the best for last. Yeah. I'm just mentioning, I'm doing honorable mentions of a few quotes that I wrote down from the first couple of seasons, honestly. Yeah, very, this is very bad stats-wise, but whatever. In the episode Killed by Death, Cordelia says the iconic, most iconic thing that Cordelia ever said. You guys know it. You guys say it all the time. Tact. Tact is just not saying true stuff. I'll pass. Hell yeah, Cordelia. <laughs> and then the one that is said the most in my life is a call and response between Drusilla and Spike. Or I call it a call and response because I trained Michael to do this with me. <laughs> if I ever walk up to him and go, do you love my insides? The parts you can't see. <laughs> he say it. He says back, I bet up. Eyeballs to entrails, my sweet. <laughs> Except usually he says like my pet or something like that. And I have to correct him. <laughs> But anyway, let me do that again because I butchered it. Do you love my insides? The parts you can't see. And then he says, eyeballs to entrails, my sweet. <laughs> That's my favorite. Uh, and from the very moment that I first saw them say that, I told you guys, I'm going to train Michael to say this, to do this call and response with me. And I did. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Now I have the MVP category and I did go through and I wrote down every single time a character got MVP of the episode. And then I counted if they ever got it again. So we have final stats, <laughs> um, characters that got it only once, Principal Snyder, <laughs> Angel, Angel got MVP one time. Don't know what which episode that was. Veruca, remember the, the girl vampire? Or the girl uh, werewolf, sorry. Harmony got it once. Amy Mann got it once. <laughs> and Andrew. I'm surprised that Andrew did not get it more than once, as much as I love him. And then we have the ones that got MVP multiple times. So I'm going to go down the list. Um, this is in no particular order. Xander got MVP in the entire series. And again, I have a lot of missing stats. I don't know if I just said them in the moment to you guys and didn't write them down because I did not go back through and listen to each and every one of my fucking podcast episodes because I would still be doing that for months. I probably will go back and actually listen to my podcast now that I'm totally done with it. That'll be interesting. <laughs> Probably very cringy. 
Anyway, Xander got it five times. Cordelia got it nine times. Buffy did get MVP the most out of anyone. She got it 18 times. Joyce, twice. Willow, eight times. Giles, 14. Drusilla, three times. Kendra, the vampire slayer, twice. Oz, three times. Sarah McLaughlin, twice. <laughs> because she provides the ending song at the end of season two and six. Really brought it home both times. Amazing. Faith, nine times. Ethan Rain, remember Giles's friend that worships chaos? Twice. Riley, twice. Tara, six times. Spike, seven. Anya, five. Dawn, seven. So, oh, I forgot to mention Halfrick. Did I mention Halfrick? Halfrick only got it once. So, the... As far as the stats are concerned, you know what? I'm going to do all this later. Yeah, I'm going to do all this later. Okay. I'm trying to be organized, but I'm really not a stats person, apparently. Can't, can't take them. Can't relate them. <laughs> okay, my 5x5 five five ratings. I wrote down every time an episode got rated either a 4.5 or above. And again, I'm missing a lot of stats. But there were two episodes, technically three, because I'm, I'm counting Welcome to the Hellmouth and The Harvest, the first two episodes of Buffy, as one, because they aired on the same night. So I did the stats together. They, that, those two episodes together got a 4.5. Prophecy Girl, the last episode of season one, got a 4.5 as well. Season two got four four episodes. In the very beginning, I was rating a lot of episodes highly. That is not something that I continue doing, <laughs> which I don't think is necessarily indicative of me not liking any episodes. Liking episodes as much, I think I just got harsher in my critiques as time went on. Season two, the four episodes that got a 4.5 three episodes got a 4.5. School Hard, that's the introduction of Spike. Halloween, iconic episode. And then Surprise slash Innocence, that's the two-parter where Buffy loses her virginity to Angel. 4.5. And then I gave What's My Line Part 1 a 5, which... I don't know why as I'm thinking about it right now. Like, what's so great about that episode? I don't remember. <laughs> but whatever, I gave it a 5. Season 3, Band Candy got a 4.5 and Lover's Walk got a perfect 5. Season 4, Who Are You? Um, which is part 1 or part 2 of when Buffy and Faith switch bodies. I can't remember if that's part one or part two, but it was like a two episode arc. But Who Are You got a perfect five. And Restless, my favorite episode of all time, the last episode of season four, got a perfect five as well. What's missing here is like Hush. I would think that Hush would have got a better score, but I think I just didn't write it down. Like what the fuck? Anyway, 
again, I need to stop pointing out how terrible my stats are and just relate them. Just relate. And then I have zero episodes from season five and season six that got a 4.5 or above, which is insane because season six is my favorite season of all time. That makes no sense. And there are plenty of great episodes in season five as well. Like even the body, even though it's so painful to watch, it's an amazing episode and it should have gotten... Anyway, whatever. Season seven, three episodes got a 4.5. Conversations with dead people. Storyteller, that's the one where Andrew is... It's the Andrew-centric episode. And then the final episode of the whole series, 4.5. I have three episodes... Do you guys remember I had a shit list where I was putting episodes on it and I would never, ever, ever make myself watch them again? Season one, The Pack, the one where Xander attempts to rape Buffy when he is possessed by a hyena spirit. Season two, Ted. That one is a good episode, but it's just way too triggering for me. And then season three, Amends. That's the one where the first is trying to get Angel to kill himself and Buffy spends the entire night talking him off a ledge instead of hanging out with Faith for Christmas. <laughs> I didn't remember putting that one on the shit list. Like I probably will watch that one again. Um, and I probably will watch the pack again, to be honest, but Ted, Ted is dead to me forever. That one is for sure on the shit list forever. I will never watch that episode again. You heard it here. Okay. <laughs> so that's like the overview of the stats. Now I want to give you some more like organized stats. Okay. Top five MVP. So I'm going to list them by how many times they got MVP since I was listing them all out of order here a second ago. So we're going countdown in fifth place, Willow with eight, eight times she got MVP. Cordelia and Faith tied for, I guess that would be third place. Willow would be fourth place, but I'm just doing the top five. So Faith and Cordelia tied for third with nine points each in the MVP category. Giles, 14 times, and Buffy, 18. Um, I'm actually surprised that Buffy got first place because I always thought to myself that I wasn't giving Buffy MVP very often since she's kind of the default MVP anyway. But yeah, she still did get first. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Buffy wins MVP category. That's really fitting, right? <laughs> Top five objects are the ones that I acquired for myself. My Giles mug collection, Minty mug, the Minty mug, and the Kiss the Librarian mug. My Orb of Thessala, my crochet pillowcases, and the Cheetah coat. Those are the top five objects throughout the entire series. And that I can say with confidence is accurate information because I almost always, even there were even like times that I didn't write down like my overall rating for the episode, but I wrote down the object. Like how fucking materialistic am I? Anyway, 
top five settings in Buffy. This was just an extra thing that I decided to write down. The school library, Tara's dorm room, when we first meet her, it's so goth and witchy and dark and I just, I want to curl up and live there forever. The bronze, because I wish the bronze existed. Small town like Sunnydale has a really cool fucking club that has all these amazing bands coming to play all the time. What? I want this to be real and I want it to exist in my town. The cemetery, because you know, this is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We spend a lot of time in cemeteries and I always love a cemetery setting. Buffy is one of, is my favorite show in no small part because things like the costume designer, designers, the prop, the like prop people were on point in this show. Like usually a person's bedroom really like spoke to who their character actually was. They did an amazing job, amazing job in this show. And the show was lit, lit. It was lit guys. <laughs> no, but it was lit really darkly. It was very atmospheric. This is something that you don't get on Hulu. Like on Hulu, they like, and again, I don't think it's even on Hulu anymore, but when it was, it was widescreen when it shouldn't have been. And it was, um, like overexposed. They like lightened, they like, you know, turned up the brightness or something. It looks weird. Like Buffy is supposed to be a darkly lit show. It looks best like that. Anyway, I really loved that about the show. Anyway, <laughs> and then the fifth in my top five, this is in no particular order, top five settings of Buffy is Giles's house. We didn't get to see Giles's house at all in maybe any of season six. I don't think we saw it at all in season six. Oh, the magic box. I forgot to write the magic box down. That's going to be an honorable, I'm just going to say top six settings. I'm going to change that right now. Magic box needs to be one of the settings because it was just a cool magic store. <laughs> Giles's house. It was just really cool. Like it had a little, it had a loft for his bedroom. It was a small space, but it had green walls. It just looked like an extension of the library to a certain extent. Um, and we got to hang out in his house a lot in seasons four and five. Um, so yeah, top five settings. Let me list them again in quicker succession. So I went on a whole side track there. The high school library, Tara's dorm room, the bronze cemeteries in general, Giles's house, and the magic box. Of course, Spike's crypt was cool. And even like Angel had some real, he lived in like a fucking Frank Lloyd Wright crypt or something. I don't know what the fuck that was, but he had some cool spaces as well. And Buffy's bedroom, like it's not really my style, but it fits her character and it was interesting. And Joyce's bedroom was also really cool. She had that fucking amazing like 90s mom wallpaper that was good. Yeah, just huge rounds of applause for the prop department on Buffy the Vampire Slayer throughout, for the most part, for the most part. <laughs> um, let's see. Top, okay, so top five episodes according to my ratings, 
the episodes that I rated, well, this says four. I only have four. Four episodes that I rated five. Is that right? Hold on. Hold on. One, two, three, four. Yeah. I only had four episodes that I rated a perfect five. Lover's Walk, Restless, Who Are You, and What's My Line, Part One. Again, this is incomplete as fuck. So I did, I went ahead and like wrote down my top nine episodes of all time as I know them to be, um, in no particular order, except number one is restless. Then the rest are in no particular order. Who are you? Lover's walk, hush, band candy, storyteller. I only have eyes for you, earshot, and once more with feeling. Should I describe what those episodes are? Sure. Restless, the one where everyone's dreaming the whole time. Who are you? The one where Buffy and Faith switch bodies. Lover's Walk, the one where Spike returns and gives that speech to Buffy and Angel who are trying to be friends after he came back from the dead. And he says, love isn't brains, children. It's blood <laughs> screaming in you to get out, <laughs> to do its will or something like that. I may be love's bitch, but at least I'm man enough to admit it. That's lover's walk. Hush is the one where it's a silent movie. Band Candy is the one where um, Ethan Rain shows up and all the adults are acting like children. Storyteller is the one where we get to hang out with Andrew for the entire episode. I Only Have Eyes for You is the season two episode where Buffy and Angel get like, uh, what's it called when a spirit goes into you? Inhabited by Poltergeist. It's just a really weird, romantic, well-written, I think it's a Marty Noxon episode. It's just very emotionally gut-wrenching. Earshot is the one where Buffy can hear everyone else's thoughts. Once More With Feeling is the musical. So, <laughs> now, um, let's, okay, I want to end with music. So, next to the last category, I wrote down my top 10 characters in Buffy of all time in no particular order or should I put them in order <gasps> Ooh, I should put them in order right okay I can't I can't put them in order but I will say I will give you the bottom five and then the top five how about that <laughs> bottom five Willow Oz Buffy Andrew Anya top five Tara Drusilla Giles Spike and faith. There you go. <laughs> Those are my top 10 characters of all time. Cool. Now, top six songs of Buffy in no particular order. These are, I was not only going with my favorite songs from Buffy, but my favorite songs in the context of like, I can, they're iconic. They showed up in a particular scene. They're iconic. 
I think there's one I need to add. So I, there's going to be seven. Top seven songs of Buffy. And I will explain the context with which they are seen. Season two, episode one, I believe, called When She Was Bad. It, don't quote me on that. Buffy does this weird, like, slow dance thing, sexy slow dance thing with Xander. She's trying to, like, get him to be pissed at her or something. I don't know. It's, it's a weird whatever. But iconic moment because Chibo Mato, one of my favorite bands of all time, well, one of my favorite top five albums of all time is Chibo Mato's Viva La Woman. Um, this particular song is not from that album, but it's from an EP that came out soon after, and it is called Spoon. If you look up Spoon by Chibo Mato on Spotify today, it's not the right version. I'm just going to say it's not the right version. The right version is the one that's actually in the episode. It's the version that I know from my youth, and it's a fucking amazing song, and that's an iconic moment. Or was it Sugar Water? You know, the actual slow dance might have been Sugar Water. Either way, it's the fact that Chibo Mato was playing at the bronze in this particular fucking episode of Buffy that just, like, iconic. So I'm just gonna... That's, that's gonna be those two songs together, because both those two songs were played in this episode. The very last um, music cue in season two of Buffy is Full of Grace by Sarah McLaughlin. That's the song that was playing whenever she was in the bus. She was on her way out of town after she had to kill Angel. Her mom, she came out to her mom as a slayer and then her mom kicked her out of the house. She was wanted by the cops because the cops thought she killed Kendra or like they were associating her with the death of Kendra, I think, because Drusilla had just killed Kendra. So Drusilla had just killed Kendra. She just had to kill Angel. Her mom kicked her out of the house. She was wanted by the police. I feel like something else was happening to her. Was, anyway, her entire world had just blown up. And so she was headed out of town. And that was the song that was playing. Super sad. Oh my God, Sarah McLaughlin, MVP, for a reason, that episode. <laughs> And then again, Sarah McLaughlin closes out season six of Buffy with her, her sung rendition of prayer of St. Francis, the prayer of St. Francis, which is just an incredibly moving, like, I'm not religious, but I love this fucking song so much. Um, so that's when her and Dawn are like crawling out of that grave at the end of season six that's that song. Transylvanian Concubine by Rasputina. This Rasputina is one of my favorites too. They, um, I saw them live once actually. They are like a three piece, I think. Don't quote me on that. Three piece cello rock band. And yeah, they're amazing. Look them up, listen to their stuff, enjoy it. You're welcome. But Transylvanian Concubine in specific is a song that is playing, um, Drusilla is preparing for a birthday party and she has a birthday like the same day as Buffy or something. It was like 
both of them were having a birthday on the same day and like she's preparing for her birthday party and she's dancing around and this is the song that's playing and it's just perfect <laughs> it's just perfect i will forever associate transylvanian concubine with drusilla one of my very favorite characters of all time then do you remember season four when we are introduced to the werewolf veruca she is the front woman of a band which she's actually just lip syncing to in a pre-existing band called thc at the time that in season four when this first aired or when i first saw it which would have been around 2001 2002 um anyway when i first heard this band i had to have this music and at the time you know you had to track down cds there was no streaming services back then and you couldn't find it you couldn't find thc anywhere so i I don't know how I found out because I've never really been that savvy at things like this, but I somehow found out the email address of one of the band members and I emailed them and asked them if they still had any copies of the album that had these, because there were three different songs over the course of like the episodes that Veruca was in. There were three different songs from this band, from one particular album called, um, oh, what was the album called? Oh shit, I forgot what the album's called. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I emailed one of the band members and they said, yes, um, I think I had to pay for it. Or maybe they just sent it to me. In any case, I get in the mail, like a burned copy of a CD from the band, like directly. And it's now available on Spotify. Let me look it up because I want to know what the... I want to know what... The album is called why is it not coming up adagio that's what it's called adagio so it is now on it's an album from 1999 from the band thc it is on spotify now but back in the day <laughs> back in the day i couldn't find it i still love this album it's kind of lo-fi lo-fi like sort of trip hop kind of singer-songwriter thing but I still love it and I love that story too <laughs> you know because I was so desperate to find this particular music and it ended up getting sent to me by the band members or somebody in the band anyway so the song need to destroy is my favorite from this album that was played on Buffy and I just I loved Veruca as a character mostly because I associated her with the voice, whoever is the voice in THC because it's a gorgeous voice. Next, season, what was it? This was season three. Tor it was maybe the last, ep the next to last episode, one of the last, ep I think it was in the prom episode. Buffy and Angel had just broken up. Angel was about to leave town, but he showed up unexpectedly at her prom and danced with her. One, one slow dance, one final slow dance before he leaves town, essentially. <laughs> and um, the song was White Horses by The Sundays. 
So this is one of two songs sung by Angie Hart. Angie Hart is the singer that she was the singer of the Sundays and Frente, if you know those bands. But she also did a solo. She wrote this song with Joss Whedon specifically for the episode in season seven, Conversations with Dead People. And it is a song called Blue. So those are the top seven songs of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Again, Spoon by Chibomato, Full of Grace, and Prayer of St. Francis, both by Sarah McLaughlin. Transylvanian... Okay, sorry, I got cut. My memory card was full. I got cut off. Um, let me try this again. Transylvanian Concubine by Rasputina, Need to Destroy by THC, and then White Horses and Blue, both sung by Angie Hart, but White Horses is under the Sunday's band name. So those are the top seven songs in all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So that, I think, is where I will end this. Where I will finally shut the fuck up about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. At least until we come back and talk about Angel. <laughs> so let me see if I have this written down. If not, I'll just Google it, but let's see if it's in my calendar already. And it appears that it is not. It is not in my calendar yet. So let me look it up. October 1st. So October 1st. What day is that? October 1st. It's a Sunday. Okay. So we might be talking about Angel on Sundays. Cool. That's fine. Um, okay. So if I don't decide to come back and talk about something between now and then, um, this podcast will be on hiatus for all of June, all of July, all of August, and most of September, because most likely I will come back like a week or two before we start talking about Angel Season 5 to give you a previously on Angel. And it might be a long one because I might decide to recap all of Angel so far, the first four seasons, so that anyone that wants to just jump in with season five of Angel, and I would recommend that. Personally, I'm not a big fan of Angel um, overall, <laughs> but I do, as far as I can remember, like season five. So I am going to watch it with you guys starting October 1st, which means I will come... If I don't come back before then, you'll hear from me at the end of September and I will recap Angel for you guys before we get started on season five. Wow. I, I just, I don't, I don't know how to stop talking because it's like, it feels so final. <laughs> um... Sorry about the terrible stats keeping track of, but hey, you know, there's a lot of Buffy podcasts out there. If you're listening to this one, it probably means that you enjoy my disorganized way of speaking. And if that is the case, thank you for being here because I know it's sometimes hard to follow my shit and I don't edit. So except tonight I do have to edit because I have four different sound, five different sound files if you count the theme song. <laughs> So I am going to be editing tonight, but yeah, anyway, thank you guys for being here. 
and listening because I probably wouldn't have continued to do this if no one was listening. So I'm, and I do feel a sense of accomplishment with this whole thing. I watched every episode of Buffy and recapped it for you guys. Every single one. And it took me seven years. Seven years. How crazy that I've been doing this since 2017, right? 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And if I don't talk to you before then, this podcast will be on hiatus until September. If you're listening in real time, that is a long time. (laughs) Um, But I'll see you then. Bye.